Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. It's a pleasure to be here again today to share with you the scriptures. And again, I'd like to just give everyone a, a real warm welcome. So I am continuing today on my series that I have called The Fundamentals of the Faith. And uh, we've gone through a number of doctrinal subjects and topics of the Bible that um, are really fundamental to what the Bible teaches. And today I want to continue that. And my subject is reconciliation, the message of reconciliation. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19 that God has committed to us the ministry or the message of reconciliation. So this is really, in essence, the core message of the Bible. We're going to look at that topic. Um, I'd like to read from the scriptures in Romans chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 1. So I've asked them at the back there to put the scriptures up here if we can. Romans chapter 5, we're going to read what the Bible says about this core subject of reconciliation. Romans 5 and verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you drop down to verse 10, it says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And then it says, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. All right, now let's flip over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to read at verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5 and 14 says, For the love of Christ, or Christ's love, compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now drop down to verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone or any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
God has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, one final passage I'd like to go to, Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read at verse 20. It says, Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior or wicked works, but now he has reconciled you to Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Amazing words, reconciliation. So I want to start by maybe defining exactly what reconciliation is. If you could bring up that PowerPoint. It's a big word, and a lot of people will say, well, what does reconciliation mean? Here's a simple definition of the word. It is the act of causing two people or people groups who were opposed to find peace on the basis of an established agreement. That's what reconciliation is. Two parties that were opposed have now found peace with each other on the basis of an established agreement. Here's an example. Let's say there's two countries that are at war and they have signed a truce. They are reconciled. The war is over. They are at peace with each other and a new relationship has been established. The Bible has a lot to say about our relationship with God. The Bible has a lot to say about this subject of reconciliation. So I'd like to start by asking a question. And I ask myself this question too. Are you at war with God? <laughs> you might say, that's a really strange question. Am I at war with God? Well, no, of course not. None of us think that we are at war with God. But it's actually a very real question. Because God says, be reconciled. And that is the message of the Bible from the heart of God to each and every one of us in this world today. Be reconciled to God. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, we read these words. Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God was making his appeal. Through us, we implore you, be reconciled to God. Folks, we're living in a spiritual war zone. I don't know if you realize that or not, but we're living in a world that is opposed to God. 
And it's not just human beings. There's actually a spirit world that is hostile to God. There's a battle that's raging. We live in a world where there is the kingdom of darkness. We actually spoke about that one time before. And there is the kingdom of God. And there are many people in this world that are following Satan and satanic forces and they are at war with God. And then there are those who have repented of their sins and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they're in the kingdom of God. So I'd like to ask you all this question. Are you still in the kingdom of darkness or are you in the kingdom of God? Are you born again? Are your sins forgiven? Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior and become a child of God? So the Bible asks us this question, are we reconciled to God? You know, um, the world is actually described as uh, a society, and the word that's used in in the New Testament is cosmos. And that is the world system. Bible tells us that the world system is driven and controlled by satanic forces. And you might say, well, where does it say that? If you look at Ephesians 6 and verse 10, it says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers of darkness that rule in the spirit forces of evil. That's the world in which we live. We may not have realized it, but you were born into this world in a spiritual war zone that's opposed to God. And it's in our very nature. And so the subject of reconciliation is God is reaching out to us. He is compelling us to be reconciled to God. If you've lived any length of time in this world and you have faced temptation and you know the, the tendency of your own heart, as I do, you would agree with me that it's in our very DNA. It is in our nature to follow what we know is wrong. It's the way we're hardwired. We in our flesh cannot please God, the Bible says. And we follow our instincts. Our natural desire is to do what we know is wrong. But here's what the Bible says about those that are the children of God. It says, the just shall live by faith. Do you walk by faith or do you walk by sight? It's a good question. You know, the Bible says that we were, at some time, enemies of God. And those that are enemies of God, they live for this present age. And they walk in the lust of their flesh and in the lust of their eyes, and they love their sin. But reconciliation is when a person has surrendered their life to God, turned away from their sin, trusted Christ as their Savior, and they are a whole new creation in Christ Jesus. That's what the subject of reconciliation is. 
brings a whole new perspective on life. It brings you to a new position before God, and it gives you a new purpose in living this life. So why do we need to be reconciled? Well, there's a couple of good reasons why we need to be reconciled. Number one, we are estranged children, created in the image of God, given every blessing that God can give humanity. And the Bible says that in Ephesians 2, we were the children of disobedience, walking according to the course of this world. And by nature, we were following our lusts and our desires and our instincts. Created from the hand of God, we have gone astray. We are estranged children. And there's a great visual example of that in Ezekiel 14, in verse 5, where the sovereign God says to the nation of Israel, you have raised up idols in your hearts. You have committed practices that are detestable in the sight of God. And if we're honest, and we look at our own hearts, every single one of us have, have raised up idols, things that are more important to us than God, things that have displaced God. And we have done things that we know are sinful. That's why we need to be reconciled to God. The Bible says that we are enemies in our mind by wicked works. I read that verse in Colossians 1 and 21. Actually, the Bible says that through him, he, God has reconciled us unto himself. We were once alienated, and we were enemies in our mind by our wicked works. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 7 that we are earthly in our thinking. Romans 8 and verse 7 says that the carnal mind is governed by the flesh, and that in our carnal mind, we can't please God. And worse than that, there's consequences for our sin. Romans 6 and 23 says that there are wages that God will pay for our sin. So these are all the reasons why every one of us in this world need to be reconciled to God. So, I want to ask this question. What would it mean for one person or an individual to be reconciled to God? What would that mean? It means that there must be a surrender. There must be what the Bible calls repentance. It's a change of thinking. It's an understanding that I am a sinner in the sight of God. I was born into the world in the kingdom of darkness. And because of my, my attitude and my sins, I'm actually at enmity with God. And I need to surrender. And then secondly, I need to accept the forgiveness of my sins that comes on the basis of God's covenant. And that brings us to the cross, where God was in Christ 
reconciling the world unto himself. God has reached out to a world of sinners, enemies in their minds that have children that have gone astray, and he has said, you can't solve this problem. I'm going to reach out to you, and I'm going to solve this problem for you. I am going to lay a basis, a fundamental covenant that sin will be righteously dealt with and put away, and I will offer an invitation to the entire world. Whosoever, let him come and receive eternal life by believing on Jesus Christ. That is the ministry of reconciliation. We were lost. You know, I, I, I do a street ministry and I, I give out tracts to people on the street. And one, of the, one of the tracts that I have says, are you lost? And on the back of it, it has the gospel. And there are so many people, inevitably, every time I give this tract to people, lost? Are you crazy? I'm not lost. And they throw it away. But what they don't realize is that they are spiritually lost. And if you don't have a living, vibrant, real relationship with God, you are spiritually lost. You're separated from God, and you need to be brought back. You need to be reconciled. And that's what the, the message of reconciliation is. God has made reconciliation by Jesus Christ. Now, let me explain to you what the Bible teaches about that. In Romans 5, it says, when we were yet without strength, can't do anything for ourselves, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. It says in Romans 5, that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that we read in 2 Corinthians 5 that God has laid this eternal, once-for-all provision for our sin. And it is available to every person of every culture, of every age, of every nationality, regardless of your sin, your past, your history, your present, or your future. It is an unlimited offering a covenant once for all that every person can have their sins forgiven and every person can be right with God and every person can have peace with God by the Lord Jesus Christ. So how does it work? How can I be reconciled? I'm reconciled through the work of Christ. It says, God was in Christ, reconciling the world, bringing the world that was lost in sin back to himself by Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 14 says, one died for all. Let's just stop right there. Can you drink in this truth today? This is deep. This is incredible that the God of heaven would step into time and come to this world and in the person of Jesus Christ would die upon a cross for all 
all, no exceptions, all people, all sinners of all time, once for all, Christ died for our sins. And he has given the foundation of reconciliation that is available to all. So now if you really believe that, you have surrendered, you have acknowledged that, God, I'm a sinner, and Jesus came to die for me, and I believe this. So then what does the Bible say? It says that those which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Christ who died for them. Are you living for yourself? Am I living for myself? That's a, that's a pretty important question. If I really believe in Jesus Christ, if I really truly believe that he's my savior and he died for me and he shed his blood and he paid for my sin, then I want to live for him because of what he's done for me. And this is not a religion of duty. This is not rules and regulations. Folks, this is liberty. This is devotion to Christ, that I love him because he first loved me and he died for me and he's purchased me, the truth of redemption, and he's brought me back to God. And now I have this incredible privilege of living the rest of my life not for myself, but for the one who loved me and died for me and rose again for me and justified me and reconciled me to himself. This is the ministry of reconciliation. So how does a person get reconciled? That's a good question. Well, in Romans 10 and 13, it says this. Let's back up a little bit. In that chapter, it says, um, how shall they hear without a preacher? How do people even know about this message unless it is preached clearly? And people that preach it, how do they preach it unless they be sent? And where does it come from? It's the Bible. God's holy word is reliable, is dependable, is faithful. It will never change, and you can build your life on it, and you can build your eternity on it. It will never let you down. Here's what the Bible says. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Folks, that goes out today to the entire world that everyone, everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's how I'm reconciled to God. I come to God. I call upon God. I surrender my life. I confess my sin and I believe on Jesus Christ, and I'm reconciled to God. By agreeing with God, even to the point of taking sides with God against myself. That's, that's sometimes challenging to do. Do you know why that's challenging? Because it requires honesty, and it requires humility. When a person gets to the point that they realize my sins are offensive to God. And when they realize I am an unworthy, 
sinner. I humble myself. And what the Bible says about me is true. Have you ever told God what the Bible says about you is true? I, I have. The Bible says that I am a sinner, and I know I'm a sinner. And I have committed sins. And when I'm real and honest with God, and I'm coming to God, and I'm saying, God, look, I have broken your law. I have, I have sinned against you. Lying, lusting, stealing, taking God's name in vain, coveting, all of these things, they're in my heart. And I have sinned against you. And I agree that I'm a sinner. Folks, when a person gets to that point, oh, there's, so, there's good news. There's phenomenal good news. Because God has forgiveness for every person that will humble themselves, confess their sin, and believe on Jesus Christ. How can I be reconciled? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Could I tell you today, folks, he came with purpose. He came for a reason. And in his own words, in Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, he said, I came to call sinners to repentance. That's why Jesus came. John 3 and 17, again, in his own words, I came that the world through him might be saved. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, the Son of Man has come to give his life a ransom for many. That's why Jesus Christ came. And the Bible teaches that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, acknowledges their sin, and trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior is reconciled to God. Um, I just had a, uh, an interesting year in 2016. We had a, we had a, we had a major flood in our house and, and um, a, just a, a huge insurance claim, like six figures. It was a big, big, big claim. We were moved out of our house for, what, four months? And uh, I, I, for the very first time, I have, I have paid insurance for years and years and years and years and years, never had a claim. And you know what it's like? Every year you get this, th this document, it's about this thick, and it's got all this stuff. Nobody ever reads it. It's like a mortgage. You just sign it. Yeah, okay, whatever. Then all of a sudden you have a claim. And I'm going through all of this, and I'm thinking, what's covered? What's not covered? What's my deductible? Is there exceptions? And I'm starting to think about all of this. You know what? I got to be honest with you and tell you, the insurance company was amazing. They just came in. They said, everything's covered. Everything. 100%. No exceptions. No limitations. We'll move you out. We'll take care of your dog. We'll take care of you being in an apartment. We'll take care of your food. We'll take care of everything. And I'm like almost in disbelief. Really? Really? Yeah. And then I get this little thing in the mail that says, we have paid on your behalf $140,000 Insurance claim, yada, yada, yada. And you know what I'm thinking? That's like the grace of God. That's like the mercy of God. One all-inclusive blanket insurance coverage. No claims are denied. None. I can tell you this, folks. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter how bad you have sinned, how much you have grieved God. 
This is an all-inclusive, no exceptions, no limitations, no claims are denied. Come unto Jesus. Be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Your sins will be forgiven. Do you know what's so amazing about this? I remember growing up in a, in a church where we used to sing a lot of these hymns, old, old-fashioned hymns. One hymn stands out in my mind, and I'm thinking about it as I, as I just talked to you about reconciliation. Here's the hymn. Down from the glory the Savior came, down to the cross and the death of shame. Gazing in wonder, I there exclaim, Jesus died for me. That is amazing. That all of my sin, past, present, and future, has been forgiven on the basis of a work of reconciliation that God has done once for all time. The Bible says, Brother Ken read it a couple weeks ago, that by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hebrews chapter 9 says that once, and the, the message of that Greek word is once for all time. Once in the end of the age, he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Bible says that there is no other foundation that can be laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Folks, I am here to tell you with joy in my heart, God has made reconciliation for our sins. The entire world, the entire universe, every single person, every nationality, every religion, every background, once for all, through Jesus Christ, God has been satisfied on account of our sin. And there is an open policy available to all Anyone in this world, anyone in this meeting that has sinned against God and feels their guilt of their past can come today. Surrender their life. Believe in Jesus Christ and have their sins forgiven and have peace with God. I want to tell you a couple of examples of reconciliation. Uh, on Friday night, I was, I was out on the streets. It was, it was a real cold night on Friday night. Uh, and there was a, a group of university girls that were walking down Spring Garden Road, and they were laughing and joking and just enjoying life and, you know, such partying spirit. And I, I gave this girl a track. The track said, are you saved? And she says, saved? Are you some kind of nut? this is crazy, and she chucks it in the garbage. And somebody else laughs and mocks and takes a track and stamps it down into the snow. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, here's this young girl. Her life is going to pass quickly, and she's got a memory. And she's going to remember a day when the most important issue of her life was presented to her, and she stomped it into the ground. And she laughed and she joked and she mocked about it like it was nothing. And somebody else I gave a track to and he said, what's this? I said, this is the most important thing you're going to read 
today. Really? I said, yeah. This is probably the most important thing in your life. It's the greatest question in your life. What's the question? Are you saved? He said, I don't know. I said, well, you need to read God's word and listen to it. So every single one of us all make choices. We all have a little span of our life and those sands, they, they run through the hourglass. One time I, I took one of those and I set it up here. You remember that. And our time passes. One day we're gonna stand before God. One day our life is gonna be over and we're gonna look back on the choices that we made in life. We're gonna think about the sin that we committed. And folks, I'm gonna tell you, the only thing that matters on that day is are my sins forgiven? Am I reconciled with God? Do I have peace with God? Because it's not gonna matter what education you had. It's not gonna matter what car you drove, what kind of cash you had in the bank, where you lived. The only thing that matters on the day that you stand before God is am I right with God? Do I have peace with God? Are my sins forgiven? And uh, I, I was reminded yesterday, I, I read the little excerpt from C.S. Lewis's book. You've probably heard of the book called The Great Divorce. It's an allegory of uh, a man who is, at one point in that book, is standing before the gate of heaven. And on this side are the gates of hell. And the man is looking, and he's trying to decide, which do I want? And from the gate of heaven, the Lord Jesus is calling, come unto me. I died for your sins. I hung upon a cross. I paid the debt of your sin. Come unto me. I will give you life eternal. I will give you peace with God. I will give you a rest for your soul. And the man looks the other way. And from the very gates of hell, Satan says, I'll give you pleasure. I'll give you enjoyment in this life. Oh, you'll have so much fun. And he is really offering lust and deception. And from that book, that man in this allegory is literally choosing between rest for his soul and eternal glory or the empty illusions of a passing world and at the end, remorse and sorrow for sin in a lost eternity. And the man has to choose. Could I tell you folks today that that's where every one of you are? Today, as you sit in this comfortable room in health and strength and a heartbeat and enjoying the oxygen that God has given you, you have a choice to make. Do I want the reconciliation of my soul with God? Do I want to have a home in heaven? Do I want to have peace for my soul? Or do I want the, the fleeting pleasures of this life, the illusions and deceptions of an empty world, 
that will be gone in a few years and die in my sins and lose my soul forever. Folks, I want to tell you today that there is one who loves you, loves you, and is calling. And Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ. And the love of Christ compels us. I beseech you, I implore you, be reconciled to God. Is there somebody in this meeting today and, and you know you're not reconciled to God? You know you're living in your sin. And you know that you're following the lust of the world and the pride of life. Could I just reach out to you today? Could I, could I implore you by the mercy of God? Be reconciled to God. God has made provision for your sin once for all in the person of Jesus Christ. God is offering you today peace with God, reconciliation. You can be right with God. What does it require you to do? Surrender your heart to God. Acknowledge your sin. I have sinned. I am guilty. Humble yourself and believe in Jesus Christ because God has provided a full means of unlimited reconciliation for you by faith believing in Jesus Christ. Maybe there's somebody here and, and you want that, but you're, you're struggling with, how does it really happen? Could I tell you really simply? God says it, and I believe it, and that settles it. God has said, you and I are sinners. And God has said, I have provided a ransom price for your sin. God said that in the person of Jesus Christ, God took your sin and mine and laid it on him. And God says, everyone who believes in him has their sins forgiven. You know, there, there's a verse in Acts 13 and 39 that I love. I preach from it a lot on the street. Um, and I always preach the King James Version because it's, it's just what I know. But I read that today in the NIV. And wow, I loved it because it brought new light. Okay, here's the verse. It says, through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and all who believe are justified from all things. That's the King James Version. But here's the NIV. It says, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Everyone who believes in Jesus is set free from every sin and is justified. Folks, that's peace, okay? That is peace with God. When you get to the point where you know between your soul and God, your sins are all forgiven, oh, that's peace. That is rest. You know what that is? That is joy and satisfaction. And I'm here to tell you that God has provided this unlimited reconciliation. It's available to all, that everyone 
who believes in him is set free from every sin and nothing after that can condemn you. Let that sink in. Drink from it. It's a river. It's an ocean. Nothing after that can condemn you in your sin. Let me give you um, three real quick examples as I wrap this up. I want to share with you three examples from the Bible of people that were reconciled to God. The obvious example is the Apostle Paul. You, you know, when he wrote so much about reconciliation, he had first-hand experience with what it means to be reconciled to God. Oh, he was religious. Oh, he was, he was a fanatic. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had all the pedigree of religion, and he was at war with God. What? Yeah. He was at war with God. Acts chapter 9 says he's breathing out threatenings. He's slaughtering the people of God. He, he's got papers, and he's going to Damascus, and he's going to round up these people, and he's going to put them in prison, and if they argue against him, he's going to kill them. And God stopped him. Can I say this today? You might have an agenda in your life, and God can stop you. I might have an agenda in my life, and God can stop me. God stopped the Apostle Paul. And he said, you are warring against me. What? Who are you? I am Jesus. I am Jesus who you are persecuting. You know how wise that man was? Immediately, he surrendered. If God is calling you today, I exhort you to surrender. If God is touching your heart and your conscience today, surrender to God. You'll have a whole new life. You'll be a whole new creation in Christ Jesus. Paul surrendered his life to God. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And when he writes those beautiful words in 1 Timothy, he says, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was injurious. I was, but God in his rich mercy stopped me and saved me. Here's a perfect example of a man who surrendered to God, accepted God's forgiveness, and believed the word of God. Those three things, surrendered to God, accepted God's forgiveness on the basis of the covenant that he made through Jesus Christ, and believed the word of God. Paul was a perfect example of reconciliation. There's a woman in Luke chapter 7 that I read about this morning, and it just, it, it thrilled my heart, because here's a woman who had a sinful life. You can read about her in Luke chapter 7 from verse 38 on, and, and you know, I don't know exactly what she was involved in, um, but she had a real bad sinful past. Everyone in that city knew that she was a sinner. Her name isn't even named, just that she's the sinner. And she comes to Jesus. She humbles herself. And she bows down before him, and she breaks open this alabaster box, and she pours it out on, her, on him. The Lord Jesus looked at her, 
and another religious man, and he says, do you see this woman? Her sins were many, many. The Lord Jesus knew all her sins. Her sins were many, but they've been forgiven. Praise God. Here is the attitude of a reconciled soul. She came to Jesus. She bowed down. She worshiped him. She believed in him. And do you know what he said to her? Your sins, which are many, are forgiven. She loved much. That's what it says. A soul that has had their sins forgiven loves God much because they know the slate has been wiped clean. The guilt of the past is gone. I'm right with God. And this woman loved the Lord Jesus. Here's my last example. Onesimus. You probably know that little book in the back of your Bible at the end of the New Testament, Philemon. And here is a man who was a slave. Now back in those days, when you're a slave and you escape, you don't come back alive. In the culture and the day and age of first century Rome, when you left and you got away and they ever found you, you were done. That's it, it was over. This man, Onesimus, he escapes from Philemon and he meets Paul and he hears the gospel and he gets saved. Oh, amazing. He's saved, his sins are forgiven. His past is gone, and now he goes back to Philemon. He's got this letter from, from Paul, and Paul says to Philemon, I beseech you, receive this man back. And he says, you know, I, I want to intercede for him. Whatever he owes you, put it on my account. This is a picture of what the Lord Jesus has done for you and I. Folks, we, we were slaves, slaves to sin. We had a debt that we couldn't pay. And there was a mediator, Jesus Christ, God's Son, who paid our debt. And you know what he says to God? Whatever he owes, put it on my account. In other words, the Lord Jesus says to me, John Wells, whatever you owe to God, Put it on my account. I'm going to pay for it. And Jesus, my Savior, goes to the cross and takes my debt against a holy, righteous God, and he pays for it. And I'm forgiven. And I can go back to God with a clean slate, a new standing. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer at war with God. I'm a son. I'm an heir. I am saved by the grace of God. I am restored to God. He is a perfect picture of reconciliation. And so Paul says to every one of us, I implore you, I beseech of you, be reconciled to God. Folks, if you're reconciled to God, it will give you the greatest joy in your life. It will give you the greatest purpose. It will give you lasting satisfaction and it will give you the certainty of knowing that when you stand before God, you're right with God. It's all clear. And you have a home in heaven for all eternity. I want to close in prayer. And I'm really hoping that we can sing a song. I want to sing 
just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. You guys know that, right? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time when we can open the scriptures and, and bear our hearts before you and confess our sins and know that you have loved us and you have made reconciliation for our sin. I thank you, Lord, that you gave your son, Jesus Christ, to come into this world and hang upon a cross and die for each and every one of our sins and to be raised again so we can have new life in Christ. And I thank you, Lord, for your word that assures us that therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray that every one of us today would be blessed by these words, that we would go today and for the remainder of the week have joy in our heart, remembering that we've been reconciled to God and we have peace with you. And so I thank you for this and just pray that you would part us all with your blessing and bless for the remainder of the week and the remainder of the day. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Let's sing just as I am.